0: desert diaries hello Arizona calling and I thought this week I'd climb a mountain to talk to you and as you can hear (laughs) it's massively windy up the mountain so I hope this isn't too painful on your ears because it's suddenly very windy who knew the higher up you go the windier it gets And I'm not massively high up. I've climbed a mountain near to where I live, a mountain called Shadow Mountain. I've talked to you about it before, but I'm sitting perched right up here on top and it's lunchtime, just gone lunchtime. And I'm the only person around. I'm kind of amazed that everybody isn't hiking these mountains all the time because... The fact they're on my doorstep does mean I'm up here all the time. I don't know, maybe you get bored of hiking up mountains and looking at spectacular views when you've lived here all your life, but oh, I can't imagine getting sick of it. I can see right out across the valley from where I'm sitting. Out towards the four peaks where they used to mine for amethyst. I can see out towards the superstition mountains in one direction. Talking Stick Casino is one little high rise blip just on the far horizon and I can see out all across over North Phoenix up towards Cave Creek as well and if I count the houses I can just about see my daughter's bedroom window from here just in the distance with a big tree in front of it. So not too far from home but it can feel like you're just so far away from civilization even though there is just a sprawling city underneath my feet. It's been a week of first this week starting off with my first ever taste of a local delicacy. Now when I say local I mean sort of various states generally within the southwest of the United States of America and I tasted something called frito pie frito pie frito pie which headline in no way resembles a pie just saying getting that out there right at the beginning basically it consists of crisps well corn chips a special type of corn chips the brand is actually called fritos they're sort of curly puffy corn chips and chili (laughs) frito pie. So frito pie was served to me by my friend Evo at the weekend and consists as I said of these corn chips and chilli and basically you plop a bunch of corn chips on a plate and then spoon chilli on top of them and there you have it. Voila, frito pie. I checked it out when I got home actually and it's not entirely clear where the origins of frito pie began. It's believed to have originated in Mexico sometime last century and was popular at fiestas apparently and then it did take off of course with I suppose the Mexican diaspora here in the United States and other countries around the world as well The oldest known recipe of using Frito branded corn chips with chili was actually published in Texas in 1949 so you know it's been around a while We ate it on a plate, as I said, fistful of fritos on a plate, big spoon of chilli on the top, but (laughs) the real way to eat it, so I'm told, the traditional way is to get a packet of crisps, get a packet of these fritos, split the packet down the front to reveal said chips and then directly spoon the chilli into the open packet and eat it with a fork from the packet of crisps. Sorry I've just got to blow a beetle off my arm. Get off! Ooh. So <laughs> there we go frito pie. I'm aware it sounds disgusting but it was lovely like properly delicious. The chilli we had was made with impossible mince and impossible is a type of non-meat meat that's very big out here tastes just like beef looks just like beef but no cows are harmed so right up my alley of course I'm thinking of putting together a bit of a pack of food of some of the things I've mentioned on this podcast over the last year or so and give you the chance to win it. I'll put it in a big package and post it off to you wherever in the world you are. So I'll announce it on my social channels in the next few days. Do check out either facebook.com slash see you in the desert at Walker Sam on Twitter or you can find me on Instagram at Sam Walker Radio and I'll give you that chance to win. Be delicious. Bad for the waistline, good for the tum-tum. Sorry, this beetle will not go away. (sighs) Oh, I think it's gone. I think it's flown away, good grief. So another first this week was in fact the first haircut the girls had had in well over a year. My children, without exaggeration, had started to look pretty feral. Lila, 13 going on 20, (laughs) where do the years go, wanted a fringe. Now, I'm sure you'll be aware even though it sounds like I'm in a hurricane. It's actually just quite a balmy breeze. Now, of course, fringes, as no doubt you'll be aware, aren't called fringes in this country. There are such things as fringes, but you find them as dangly bits of fabric on curtains or cushions or a shawl, not something you have on your head. Here in the US, a fringe are called bangs. <laughs> I have no idea why they are called bangs. But bangs they are. So we had to march into the hairdressers and demand bangs, which just still sounded completely wrong to me. Anyway, I did check that out when she got home. And apparently, well, there's a bit of a difference of opinion of where the term bangs came from. One school of thought says it actually comes from the equestrian world, so from horses, where there was a way of styling a horse's tail that was called a bang tail, which would mean you cut the hair of the horse tail horizontally so you've got like a flat, tassel-like end to the tail. So that was apparently the origin of the word bang. It came from quaffing not human hair, but horse hair. Now, the other school of thought says that bangs referred to a haircut, which was called a bang-off i.e. cut straight across the front so there you go clear as mud it's either to do with cutting a horse's tail or having a bang off which was a specific hairstyle that featured your hair cut short at the front across your forehead but either way bangs are now very much in the american lexicon i'm not sure it's a phrase i'll ever get used to but there you go another first my daughter (laughs) now has bangs actually that's a fib she has had a fringe at another time in her life and it was mainly her first ever haircut when my husband had took her for a checkup with the midwife and she said, "Oh, that little girl's hair's getting a bit long it's getting into her eyes it might cause her to get a little bit of an eye infection a bit of irritation so my husband went home and cut her fringe so short she looked like a member of slade so that was her first ever set of bangs i'm glad to say these ones do look a lot better Another first this year, it was the first time the girls hadn't had Easter eggs at Easter. Last year, one of their grandparents had sent them some Easter eggs through the post, which kind of had arrived in a sort of molten mess, but, oh, they were still delicious. But this year, with COVID, with everything else going on, they'd put some money in their bank accounts for them to stuff themselves with American chocolate instead. I do not understand why Easter eggs just aren't a thing here in the States. Now that's not to say that eggs don't form a central part of Easter. All the supermarkets, all the craft stores were full of little plastic eggs and wooden eggs and polystyrene eggs and various things to decorate them with. And right next door was an aisle packed full of chocolate. All different types of chocolate you could imagine. Loaded those sort of fun-sized bags of smaller bars with decorated eggs and chicks on the wrapping. But for some reason, there'd been no thought to combine the concept of chocolate and egg. Chocolate eggs just aren't a thing here. It felt quite strange buying fun-sized Twixes for Easter as opposed to a Twix egg. But they just aren't here. I think if anyone's wanting to set up an import business, I'm your woman. I'm well up for that. Why aren't Easter eggs a thing? Do let me know, please, if you're an American and you're listening. Have, have chocolate eggs ever been a part of Easter? Anyway, that's not to say we didn't stuff ourselves with chocolate, of course. Just not egg-shaped chocolate. The penultimate first of the week, the discovery of a whole industry based around armour for dogs. Talking of dogs, there's my dog. Juno, come here, what's the matter? Have some water. Have some water. You're all good to go. More beetles crawling up my arm. It's a very beetly area I'm sitting in right now. But yes, another beetle. Um armour for dogs. Now this started because there was a post on the local social networking site next door, it's such a mine of information, in which someone had exclaimed, an owl tried to take my dog. Yes, an owl had swooped down into someone's garden and tried to nab their little tiny dog. The post sort of acted as a warning to other dog owners that there was apparently a pair of very large owls in the area clearly had chicks to feed and were swooping down trying to nab anything they could. It's prime coyote hunting season as well, of course, right now because, again, there are lots of coyote pups around with it being spring. So (laughs) one friendly neighbour pointed out, if you've got a small dog, you want to get yourself one of those coyote vests. Now, both my dogs are big chunks of dogs, so I'm not too worried about them getting nabbed by a coyote. But of course, we did have the horrible experience with our cat, Mitten, last year. So I'm really aware that it is a big old problem. I'd never heard though of a coyote vest. (laughs) I know it's for a serious reason. (laughs) You need to Google dog coyote vest. Do it as soon as you can. It's the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. You could alternatively go and look on my Facebook page. Just search for Sam Walker's Desert Diaries or facebook.com slash see you in the desert. And you will see a picture of a dog coyote vest. How to describe it? Goodness me. Well, it kind of looks like a bulletproof vest for dogs. Quite a thick fabric vest that the dogs wear. But with enormous six inch tall plastic spikes coming out of the top and around the neckline. (laughs) They're all so fluorescent. They're enormous. In the case of some of the really little dogs, the spikes are bigger than the dogs themselves. And apparently why are they fluorescent? I looked it up. It seems to be that the fluorescent colors make coyotes hesitate. That was the phrasing. Now, I must point out, every single picture I found online of these dogs wearing these coyote vests, they look utterly, utterly fed up. They don't look like they've been given the armour they need in order to survive the day in the Arizonan desert. They just look, well, quite fed up. So, I suppose the positive thing is, if you put your dog in a coyote vest, your dog won't be eaten by a coyote or carried off by an owl. But essentially, be aware, you are turning your dog into a huge, fluorescent, depressed porcupine. (laughs) Do look them up. They're amazing. Dog coyote vest. Only in Arizona. I love it. And the final first of the week. Well, you're going to have to wait till next week to find that one out. But I'll be honest, uh, it's a biggie. This week, we have done something we have wanted to do for years, for decades. But we've either never had the chance or, well, to be honest, we were too scared. And last week, well, we realised that finally we did have the chance. And even though we were still scared, we've done it anyway. I can't wait to share it with you. I better get back home. These beetles are driving me... (sighs) berserk <laughs> climbing up my arms and i think that wind's whipping up bit warm up here as well i'll see you in the desert